This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. It's your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. This is going to be a special little ditty that I'm putting together. I want to talk about some projects that I've been working on uh, through the years that have been uh, recently launched or relaunched, and they're all guided toward understanding our animals better, connecting with animals, and uh, forming a best relationship possible with the animals. So you'll hear a, a few of these episodes. They're going to be short little episodes, but I want to talk to you a little bit about what I do, what these projects are, and how you can uh, learn from them, learn from our animals, and learn how to connect at a deeper level. So tonight's show, we're going to be talking about a book that I put out and recently has been released in audiobook form. It's called Wagging Tails. Every animal has a tail. It's a conversation with our animal friends. Now, this book came about, you know, I've been working with animals for nearly 20 years now. I guess this is the 20th year that I've been dedicated solely to working with animals of all sorts, whether it's uh, our domesticated animals, our dogs and our cats, but also uh, wild animals and uh, animals in sanctuaries, zoos, aquariums. Uh, I've worked with animals that are kind of out of the norm. You know, when we talk about our domesticated animals, you know, we do often think about our dogs and our cats and perhaps some birds. But nowadays, a domesticated animal can be anything. It could be a bug. <laughs> it could be a spider. It could be a bearded dragon. It could be a snake. Um, a whole, whole host of things. So we see that uh, domestication of animals uh, expanding quite rapidly, uh, especially with our youth. Uh, as they're learning about animals and learning about how to connect with them and to take care of them and appreciate them, oftentimes they'll start with perhaps a, uh, a smaller animal. And, um, or a smaller creature or critter, as we'll say, and then work their way up to those that take a little bit more responsibility, like our, our cats and our dogs. So it would include everything. So as I mentioned, you know, I, I've been working with uh, animals of all sorts for about 20 years now, but dating back in my early days, I had a lot to learn. You know, I knew a lot about animals to begin with. I had a plethora of animals in my life, uh, mostly uh, in my married life. My uh, wife, Kim, I always tease that she is my Ellie Mae Clampett. For those of you that remember back to the Beverly Hillbilly days, Kim has not met a critter that she didn't like. So our household has always been filled with animals, whether it's uh, dogs, cats, we've had rabbits, we've had aquatic fish, we've had aquatic turtles, we've had uh, birds of all sorts. At one time, we had 13 feral cats that we trapped, neutered, and released, and they liked our house so well that they stuck around our house, and we fed them and gave them heated beds and cover and uh, the whole sort. So um, they knew a sucker, we'll say, or at least a, a shining light that they could have a safe household where they're going to be taken care of and provided food, water, shelter, and uh, medical care if they need it. So we took care of them as well. So we've always had a plethora of animals in our life, but expanded out about 20 years ago to my business, which is Wagging Tails, T-A-L-E-S. It's all about the tails that they tell, not necessarily about the tails they wag, because, uh, you know, a, a bearded dragon, as we said, uh, doesn't necessarily have a tail or not much of a tail. Uh, definitely, uh, when we're talking about some of the snakes, we don't think about them having tails either. So uh, the business is Wagging Tails, and early on, I wanted to put together a collection of stories. These are real-life stories of animals I've worked with. I started at the very early days of my work as an animal communicator and consultant and started uh, taking journals, as I always do with the, each animal that I work with. 
started uh, peeling back those journals and taking a look from the very beginning to create a book originally and published my first book, which was Wagging Tells. Every animal has a tell. And the book was a collection of uh, mentioned short stories, real life conversations with the animal friends to better understand them and uh, better communicate with them, whether they were sharing their information to me in the form of words, colors, feelings, pictures, emotions, smells, taste. I continue to develop that connection with the animals over the years. And the uh, book Wagging Tells Every Animal Has a Tell goes into a little bit about some of these stories. And then, as I mentioned before, most recently, we uh, we released it in an audio book early on, and then uh, we re-released it recently in a larger distribution network, which allows more people to learn about the animals, find it on their favorite platforms, and hopefully uh, download and have a listen to the audiobook so they can have a better understanding and better conversations with the animals in their life. Now, I was blessed when I put together this book, uh, the collection of stories, when I first put it together, I wanted it to be you know real life stories, things I had experienced. I sort of had it geared toward a uh, more of an adult audience, maybe uh, you know early adult to later adult is how I did it. But little did I know uh, the simplistic of the stories and the connection with the stories really made it a book for uh, all ages. So I end up finding that a lot of our young adults, as well as our children's and preteens, end up connecting with the book and reading the stories because the book is really just a, a short collection of stories. It's an easy read and something that people uh, obviously love because they're stories about real life animals. In the audio book, Wagging Tells Every Animal Has a Tell, it allows you to listen to it. You know, uh, there are folks out there that obviously love to have a hard copy book in their hands and, and read it and collect it and hopefully stick it on their shelf and share it with others in the household and in their family. But then there are those that are in our mobile environment that we live in today that prefer an audiobook to be able to uh, download and listen at their leisure and go back and review some of the uh, stories and use it as sort of a reference guide. So uh, that's why we put together the audiobook. In the audiobook, Wagon Tells Every Animal Has a Tell, uh, we also have a, a collection of, of little snippets, little tidbits. These are little helpful hints that I've uncovered in my early days of working with animals that still are applicable today. They're just small little uh, tidbits and tips that I, you know people can uh, learn and share from. For instance, I mentioned earlier about the feral cats. And you know, there's a big difference between uh, feral cats and stray cats. Stray cats, uh, you know, have been separated from their families typically uh, through uh, abandonment or loss. They're often uh, weary of people and a little bit leery of people. Uh, they often remain friendly and, if caught, can be adopted and, uh, back into the family again. Where a feral cat is usually the offspring of a stray or a feral cat and grows up without any human interaction. They survive in colonies with other stray and or feral cats. And unless they are kittens under the age of, we'll say, five weeks old, feral cats typically cannot be tamed or brought into the home environment. So this is what I wrote many years ago. <laughs> and this was during the time when I, before I uh, trap, neuter, and release and sort of pseudo-adopted 13 feral cats of my own. And I quickly learned that, yes, 
feral cats typically are more leery of people and there are some that will never approach you and some that you can't actually approach and they'll approach you and allow you to pet them so i learned a lot in those early days because you know my, my assumption with all this was that you know a feral cat would be you know cats that i could take care of but not one that i could bring into the house or at least bring into the uh, a indoor environment and be able to pet them and actually be part of their lives as far as a physical contact is concerned but uh, i learned quickly uh, the of these 13 feral cats there were some that um, i remember one that i occasionally could pet there was one that i pet once and then they realized what was going on and they took off and came back the next day and there are some that were hanging around and would uh, spend time with me and uh you know became a little bit more domesticated so you know in the book wagging tells every animal has a tell in the audiobook it's those stories of those early days and my little tidbits and little tips that i knew back in the day that even now are applicable but I've learned a whole lot more in my 20 years experience of working with animals on a professional level that some of these tips, you know, aren't always true because we know that animals are unique. Each one, just like us, has their own unique personality. And each one, you know, there's no standard. There's no set rule when it comes to our animals. You can have two animals in the same litter and they are night and day. Uh, I remember we had our two schnauzers who were uh, brothers from the same litter, Buzz and Woody, and um, they were bonded like glue. They never left each other's side. They were always together, but their personalities were night and day, totally different. Buzz was the fun-loving, easygoing guy who uh, you know, basically didn't have a care in the world, and uh, Woody was a little bit more intense. He was serious about the world. He had to know what was going on and monitor the process along the way. Um, so you know, you can't just come to the assumption that just because they're litter mates that they're going to be exactly alike and that they're going to be bonded because um, that's not always the case. So I wanted just to sort of highlight the book, Wagging Tells Every Animal Has a Tell. And when I put the book together and the audio book together, the, the joy of it was not only hearing the responses from all age groups and people loving the stories and wanting to know the characters in the stories, were they real, which they are, and what's happened to them in their, their lives and what the conversations were all about. But I also had the opportunity to be able to send the book out to uh, some of the people I look up to the most, uh, people in the animal world and have deep connection with animals, just to see what their thoughts were on it. And if they were so in kind, uh, inclined or being kind, could uh, you know write a little testimonial about what they found uh, when reading the book. So one of my heroes is uh, Jack Hanna. Jack, you may know, he's the uh, the past uh, director emeritus of the Columbus Zoo, also the host of TV's Into the Wild. Uh, I got to know Jack a little bit, and uh, once the book Wagging Tales, Animal, uh, Every Animal Has a Tail came out, I uh, was invited up to the Columbus Zoo and did a speaking and uh, book signing event there, which was a great honor. And this is what uh, Jack, Jack Hanna had to say about the book. said, in my long career of working with domesticated animals, pets, and wild animals, they have never ceased to amaze me. Whether it is their impressive strength, adaptability to new circumstances, social skills, or their ability to communicate, they continue to redefine the term animal. Perhaps what we don't know about animals will be the most incredible find yet. Tim Link's accounts and wagging tails will make you start thinking. And so I love that. You know, I love the fact that I could send a book to someone I admired and still admire to this day 
And they would take the time to read through it and read the book and then give an honest comment back on the book. And, uh, you know, th that's something I was greatly honored with to be able to uh, have that opportunity to, uh, to reach out to Jack for him to do that. So uh, that being said, uh, also, uh, I had a wonderful one from Alan and Linda Anderson. Uh, Alan and Linda Anderson, you know, they're the authors of Angel Cats, Angel Dogs, Angel Horses, the whole Angel uh, Animal series, fantastic books that touch your heart, wonderful stories in there. And uh, uh, people, uh, I've looked up to Alan and Linda for, for years and have loved the work that they did. And they were gracious enough to write this little ditty which is Tim Link guides readers into the world of animal communication with experiences, photos, practical tips. He makes us aware of how human decisions affect pets, what kinds of candles cats don't like, how work schedules and changes upset pets, which pets don't want to share their toys. This delightful and helpful book that shows the utmost respect for our sentient beings with whom we share our homes. Read it and become wise to the ways of the animals. So I, I just, uh, I still love that to this day. And some of these were, these are the stories. And, and Alan and Linda obviously read through the book and the little tidbits and little tips I put in there, they highlighted as well. So I just wanted to give that little highlight out there. And uh, also just to uh, remind everybody with the, uh, the the books and the audiobooks and and everything I do with working with animals, a uh, portion of all the proceeds from the work that I do automatically goes back to animal rescue organizations. I'm a big proponent of animal rescue and supporting uh, those rescues that help the animals out. Um, obviously, being a past president of the Humane Society myself, it's uh, I understand the challenges they face, and I'm here to help out any way I can. So everybody go out and pick up either copy of the book or the audio book, which I mentioned is recently released. I will highlight that the audio book is now being distributed out to uh, 38 distribution channels. So it's out there. You should be able to find it. It's uh, presently on Baker and Taylor, Hoopla. You can find it on audiobooks.com, Chirp, Google Play, Kobo Walmart, Libro FM, Nook, Audiobooks, Spotify, Storytel, and the list goes on and on. So if you are an audiobook fan, which I know you are, and you want to have a nice, fun, interesting tidbit here, a little bit of uh, audio that you can listen to, have some fun with, learn a lot, learn from our animals, and learn how to communicate and bond with them a little bit better. Hope you uh, take into consideration picking up the uh, audiobook, Wagging Tales, Every Animal Has a Tale. It's a conversation with our animal friends by yours truly, Tim Link. So I'm going to leave you today with a little bit of a, a snippet of one of the episodes, one of the chapters in the audiobook, and have a listen. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, see you again the next time on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Chapter, Madison Meets the Bronx. A wonderful lady from City Island, Bronx, New York, contacted me to help her find her missing tiger cat, Madison. Her apartment was located on the fourth floor of a rather large apartment complex, and she saw Madison jump from the window and then run off. Madison had never been outside before, did not have a collar or any identification tag. Fortunately, I was contacted immediately following Madison's escape to see if I could make a connection with Madison and convince her to come home. Time was the essence since Madison was unfamiliar with her surroundings and never been on her own. I had no idea if Madison was injured or worse. When dealing with lost animals, an early connection is crucial. 
I knew that the more time that elapsed, the less likely it would be for Madison to be able to return home. Madison was facing a rather dangerous situation, and after additional time being on her own, the cat would be more concerned about finding food and shelter than in coming home. Fortunately, on my first attempt, I was able to connect with Madison, who seemed somewhat confused but in good health. This was amazing considering the height from which she had jumped. She told me she had jumped out the window because she was curious about what was going on outside. However, once she was outside, she was confused about what to do and how to get back inside. She conveyed a strong presence or compression sensation around my chest. This was a different sensation from what I had previously felt when I dealt with an animal that experienced harder chest problems. This was more of a confining sensation, like she was hiding in a small place. Madison confirmed that she was indeed hiding in a warm, dry spot and planned to stay there for the night. The neighbors spotted Madison at the doorstep of the apartment complex the next morning. However, they thought she was a stray since she did not have a collar. Madison could not figure out how to get inside the apartment building, so she left. I was asked to send a message to her requesting that she show up at the doorstep the next morning at 6 a.m. and her mama would be there waiting for her. Madison understood what I requested, but she was a little unsure of what 6 a.m. meant. I further explained that she should show up at the doorstep a little before sunrise. She still seemed a bit confused, but she agreed to try. The next morning came and went with no sign of Madison. I decided to try map dousing to pinpoint Madison's location. Map dousing is an excellent way to determine where an animal lost started its journey, and where it's been during its time away, and where it may be at the moment. The technique involves taking a large map of the area where the animal was last seen and using a pendulum, nearing down its current location. Although it is a long and tedious process, it can nevertheless be highly successful. You can usually narrow down the area to a neighborhood, a street, or an exact location. As I began to narrow down my search, I learned that Madison was not strayed far from the apartment where she had lived. She showed me that she was in a grassy area with a lot of trees and bushes. From looking at the map, I could tell that the front of the apartment building faced the water, and the back of the apartment building faced a small wooded area. This was the area where Madison was staying. I suggested to her mama that she go to the back door of the apartment complex and begin calling out Madison's name. She tried this for most of the day and night, but Madison did not return. I further suggested to Madison's mama that we set a humane trap by the back of the apartment building. I told her mama to make sure that she put some very smelly food in the trap and to cover it with Madison's favorite blanket or towel. The scent would track Madison and her blanket would add some protection. All we could do next was wait to see if Madison would appear. Unfortunately, she didn't and another night went by. To cover all the bases, I suggested putting up signs throughout the neighborhood, especially at the local restaurants. In addition, I recommended that she check the local county animal shelters and veterinarians to make sure they didn't have Madison. Fortunately, all this had already been done. I continued to map douse the area to see if I could locate Madison. I made sure I performed the map dousing once in the morning and once in the evening. I wanted to see if there were any patterns that she would be following. The map dousing showed me that Madison was on the move most of the day, exploring the area and looking for food. At night, she would come back to the area around the apartment complex. The next day, I was able to make a connection with Madison again. She showed me that someone had fed her and that she was hiding around a house with a basement window and a wooden porch. There were several houses in the neighborhood that matched this description, but it helped to narrow down where she was during the day. Later that day, a lady who lived a couple of blocks away contacted Madison's mama. The neighbor said she had seen Madison sunbathing in her backyard. 
She had fed Madison, but assumed she was one of the stray cats who hung around her house. She had noticed that Madison appeared to be well-groomed, but she wasn't wearing a collar. She had not known...